Okay, let's pray. Well, Father, we, it's not just that we can't do anything without you. It's that we are nothing without you and that our identity is all wrapped up in you because you have become for us bread, righteousness, life. Our personalities come out of you living in us and remaking us in the image of God. And as it says in Corinthians, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. O Lord, realize that, make that real, manifest that, show us that, work that. Do the work that you predetermined in advance for us to do, Uh, even our sanctification, and our pouring out of ourselves for the sanctification of others. We pray that you would increase our love. Please supernaturally open our minds to your love for us. Please supernaturally open our hearts to love one another. Uh, We pray that you would give us grace, we who are weak, who are languishing, who are tired, who are sore and sick from sin, who are ill, um, who are swelled with pride or deflated with self-abasement. Have mercy on us, have mercy on us. We need you to come and pour out your spirit on us, and nothing less will do than you refreshing us. Thank you, Lord. Do it for your glory, because these are the ways of God, and we are crying out to you. Amen. So, today's message is called, Me, Myself, and My Pride. Um, Or, uh, The Heart and the Tongue. Um, and then we'll have a testimony time, but I'd like to begin with a, a personal testimony. So about a dozen people got together at the, just met at the church for a, uh, to pray and worship on Thursday. And it was very good. Uh, but for me, it wasn't very good at first. In fact, not much worship has been very good for me for like, like five or six weeks. Um, I've just kind of been in this foggy tired, like I don't know if anybody can relate, but it seems like it started about five, five weeks ago. And it was like I, it wasn't that I couldn't come into the presence of God. It wasn't that I couldn't pray or couldn't sense God or, or couldn't worship. It was like I didn't want to. It was the weirdest sort of thing. I've never experienced it quite like that before. I remember years ago before God healed me of some, uh, you know, a very common thing of some what they call fatherhood wounds, right? You know, where we don't understand rightly the fatherhood of God, and we think of God as like people we've known um, other than who he really is, and nobody's like him, so most of us have that and have grown up with that. And when God healed me from that, I remember uh, just walking on my treadmill and worshiping, and it was like all of a sudden God was father to me, and I was his son. And that was years ago. And uh, I haven't really had that problem since. Um, but then these last uh, some weeks, it, it was the weirdest thing. I knew it was spiritual in nature. I knew it was spiritual warfare or attack or me just being super fleshly, all of the above, of course. It, every time it was time to read my Bible or worship, every time I got together to pray, um, it was like I was starting to break through to enjoying God again. And I just was like, oh, I can't, I'm just too tired. 
but I wasn't that physically tired. It was the weirdest thing. Never had anything like that. Don't know if any of you guys can relate to that at all. Um, but often in the Christian life, there is something that holds us back from praying the Lord's Prayer with all of our heart. From saying like, I'm yours, your kingdom come, your will be done, whatever you want, right now, I'm ready, here I am, Lord, I'll do it, you know, I'm yours. Like, there's often in our, we go through seasons where something's holding us back, and I was like totally stuck in this rut. It was like it was foggy, and I knew the sun was rising, but I just, I just wanted to go back to sleep, and I was like, I can't see it yet, I can't. So, so about a dozen people got together, and we just prayed and worshiped uh, Thursday night down here at the church. And we were in the first or second song, and I had my hands up, and I was like, I'm tired, and I was just about to give up and kind of emotionally quit, like I've done so much lately. And I had, you know, you know what a surge of faith is? Who's had like a supernatural surge of faith before? Yeah, a bunch of hands are going up. So it's clear and you know it, and it's so strong that you're like, oh, that didn't come from me. The Lord just supernaturally gave me that faith. It's not the have faith kind of principle. It's I wasn't even expecting that, and I was throwing in the towel, and the towel was about to hit the ground, and all of a sudden I turned around like filled with strength, ready to go at it again. I, I, I just was gripped with like this word from the Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. And I just said that to myself several times, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm not putting my hands down. And my shoulders were like really, really achy by then. It was like the first song, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then you guys know, um, who's like wrestled with me or, or, or gone for a run with me when I was really kind of charged up before, a few people. All right, some of you guys know I can get pretty intense once in a while. Like, like really intense, kind of like when a guy loses his temper, I kind of get like that sometimes with, you know, like a race or whatever. And, and I'm just kind of out of control, like, like nothing's gonna stop me now. <laughs> like, and like to a kind of crazy degree. So, so all of a sudden, in the middle of my apathy, as everybody was worshiping and praying in tongues, and, uh, and we were getting ready to move to the next song, I, I suddenly had this like, word of knowledge from the Lord that the way the Lord was going to bless me was this. It was like one sentence that just gripped me and like, like nothing else you know, ever could harder than that. And, and I just thought, in, I said in my spirit to the Lord, um, you're going to make me a worshiper. And I knew it, and I knew it, and I knew it. And it was such a stark change in my soul from like, I can't get to the second song. <laughs> like, that's, all right, that's enough. I'll probably sit down now. To like, all of a sudden, I was like, on fire. You know, when we talk about being on fire for the Lord, obviously that's something the Lord has to do. And it had been weeks. I'd been... Uh, reading, and in our discipleship group, we'd been studying about the life of Jacob, and, you know, so Jacob is like, what, in his 50s, when he runs for his life from his brother, and he's still dad's least favorite son, um, 
and he's been sort of disadvantaged his whole life. And he's like, man, my brother, my older brother Esau, he is like marrying these Canaanite women. He, he has no concern for the covenant of God being passed down to our children. And, but he held in his heart this firm resolve that the Lord was going to keep his promise to Abraham, his grandfather. And, and even through all of Abraham's wandering and, and difficulty and all of his father Isaac's wandering and difficulty, now Jacob's in his 50s, and I think, and, and then um, he, he, he wisely and shrewdly uh, steals uh, the, the blessing from his father. It was a surge of faith that gave him the idea to do that. And he did it without reservation, even though it was kind of illogical. Trick my dad? It sounds illogical, but, but when it's the Lord, you know it's the Lord. And he knew it was the Lord. And he went in and did it at his mother's council, and his mother was right. And, and so the blessing went to Jacob like God had said it would in the beginning. And Jacob kind of was like, I'm going to make sure this happens. Like, I'm not, I'm not letting go. Like, I'm not going to let Esau get the blessing. Like, it's not God's will, and I know it. And so, of course, he has to run for his life. Then he goes to live with Laban, his uncle. You know, at least is with the relative, and that's good news at first. And then he meets Rachel, his uh, bride-to-be, in about seven years and a week, right? And uh, seven years and five weeks. And, uh, and, uh, and Laban totally shows himself to be this godless tyrant. And he oppresses him and oppresses him, and he changes his wages ten times. And, uh, and Jacob is just cheated and cheated and mistreated and mistreated. And eventually, God has been pleased with Jacob's faith and Jacob's waiting and Jacob's suffering patiently in the name of the Lord. And Jacob hasn't ultimately, if maybe a little, given up on God's promises that God would do the good things that God has declared from times past. And that's where we at GCF are. And so, so eventually God has blessed Jacob. And then Jacob says, uh, Jacob finds out that Laban's sons are like, Jacob's taking everything that was our father's, that was rightfully ours. And he knows they're getting ready to rise up and kill him and drive him out and keep all the stuff God's given him uh, too. It's going to happen again. And he's probably thinking, where's God? He's probably pretty tired of this, like we often are when we're beat up by sin or longing or waiting or tragedy uh, or our own apathy. And, uh, and there's nobody that can help but the Lord. So God appears to him and he says, go back. I will be good to you. So Jacob goes, Laban comes after him. God stops Laban in a dream and says, don't say a word to him, good or bad. So Laban comes out and threatens him anyway with veiled threats and, and saying, like, your stuff is mine, your kids, they're my kids. You know, should have been mine. <laughs> you know, and so uh, he, of course, disobeys the Lord, and, but God prevents him from harming him. And then Jacob has to face his greatest fear and challenge yet, I think. He's got to face Esau. And Esau, nicknamed Red, think of Nebuchadnezzar, Red in the face with anger. That's probably what... Uh, what uh, Jacob's imagining he's going to see in the face of Esau, his brother. And so the night before he meets Esau, he's like, 
praying. And he's like, God, I'm not worthy of the least of all your kindness to me. Like, I crossed over this river to get to Laban, and I had nothing but a staff in my hand. And now I'm coming back, and I'm two camps. He has, like, two full groups worth of, of children and possessions and all kinds of herds of animals that, that would be like stocks and bonds or like houses and cars or money in the bank, right? And, uh, and now he's got like a couple of, ju- so, so much stuff he has to divide it up into groups. And, uh, and so many people and children with him with which the Lord has blessed him. But what good is that if Esau slaughters us all, starting with me? Or maybe starting with my kids and then me. Like there's a lot to be afraid of here. And Esau is a serious dude. You know, he's kind of this like serious hunter, like a Rob or Logan or somebody, you know. So if I were a, anyway, I wouldn't want to meet you guys in the woods if I was your enemy. <laughs> um, so then Jacob has this little bit mysterious, but awesome encounter with God where he probably thinks he is wrestling some unknown assailant or maybe his uh, spry old father at the age of 100 and something has come out to wrestle with him because he's still angry at him for stealing the birthright before he ran for his life from Esau. Or maybe it's Esau wrestling with him. Anyway, at the break of dawn, right, right before dawn, you know, Jacob's been worried and praying all night and praying, you know, God have mercy on me and don't let Esau kill us. Um, and... Uh, and this man comes and wrestles with Esau. Uh, with Jacob. This man comes and wrestles with Jacob. It says, uh, And Jacob was left alone. Genesis thirty-two twenty-four. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. The first question is, who is that? Like, did Esau come out to wrestle me to death? No. Um, and then he keeps wrestling with him. He doesn't tell him his name. It's dark. He can't see his face. Jacob's, for at least a while, wondering who's, who attacked me and is wrestling with me. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint. uh, as he wrestled with him. But Jacob held on. Then he said, the person wrestling with him said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob had figured out that he was wrestling with no man. Nobody who pretended to be in this like draw, deadlock, wrestling match where, you know, The position kept turning and nobody beat the other. And then all of a sudden was like, all right, dink. And all of a sudden his hip is like permanently in dysplasia or something, right? Like like nobody can do that. And Jacob got it. He's like, the the angel of God has come down to wrestle with me. And and Jacob, for all of his suffering, all of his uh, disadvantage, all of the times he'd been mistreated, as discouraged as he must have been, he held on and he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And then he asked him his name, but God doesn't tell him. He's like, why do you ask my name? It's wonderful. 
And then, then uh, he blessed him. And he said afterwards, when the man went up from him, he said, uh, he named the place Face of God in Hebrew, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And so I'd been like reading that and meditating on that um, in the past several weeks, three, two, three weeks ago. And I was like, ah, oh, I wish I could like hold on until you blessed me, but I'm just too tired. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. I was like, it's like the sermon that you hear and, and like you didn't hear a thing. And you walk away and somebody's like, what was the message about? And you're like, um. <laughs> so we often have those times and what, what has to happen is God has to break through. So there I was standing right there Thursday night and God gave me this powerful surge of faith and I went from like as spiritually lazy and fatigued and, and just thrown in the towel as I can ever remember being in my whole life after like one song. Um, way to go, Pastor John, you know. <laughs> great leadership for the church there and a great example. And, and the Lord just suddenly put in my heart to speak in faith. I will not go, let you go until you bless me. And moments later, I understood clearly in a word of knowledge from the Lord that the way he was going to answer my prayers was, you're going to make me a worshiper. And I just about started to bawl. And I was like, I would never have thought to ask for that. I would have thought, help me sense the presence of God again and be happy and enjoy like fellowship with God again. But instead, the Lord spoke to me, I'm gonna make you a worshiper, which is everything I needed to be praying for and everything I wasn't really praying for. And I didn't have time to meditate on it long before like three or four seconds later, I hear Amber Poon's voice from right over there saying, and Jacob was left alone. And this was right after Greg, Greg was there. And Greg had just finished saying like a couple minutes ago, like, okay, nobody prophesy. Like, we're just gonna worship. We're just gonna, like, normally, you know, we have a break in the, in the as soon as people, we start to worship, um, uh, people pipe up and start to prophesy, but uh, you gotta kind of hold it in. Let's just worship for a while, and then you can prophesy. And, and after, what, first, second song, and I hear Amber's voice loud and clear above the, the soft speaking in tongues, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day, and I just like lost it. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and so on and so on, but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me, and I was like, Greg like really wants us to just worship, but I knew it was the Lord, and never in my life had I had like a word of knowledge or a prophecy, and then like somebody else in the, the prayer meeting got a confirming or directly corresponding word. And it was like the super cool thing, you know, that we like talk about in charismatic circles. But honestly, at GCF, all of us have been in kind of a dry time, most, most everybody. And um, for all of the people who have been fasting and praying, like now the Lord is coming down to bless us. We're in a season of seeking the Lord and finding that he is beginning to pour out his spirit on our whole congregation. So think, who, who gets the bread? The hungry. 
Who gets satisfied? The thirsty. Who gets help? The beggar. Who lets God in when Jesus is standing at your door knocking? Jesus would say to us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Two things that will keep us from experiencing the coming move of God are our hearts and our tongues. And I want to talk about that before we go to a testimony time. Obadiah 1.3 says, The pride of your heart has deceived you. That's the thing about the pride of my heart. When I'm proud, I usually don't realize it. Instead, I start looking down on others and being critical of them. What's in my heart makes its way to my tongue, and I go from thinking critical thoughts, like about how Leah parents or keeps the house or whatever, you know, does her hair or something. Leah, your hair is very nice. Um, to saying them. When I am overly grumpy and critical, that's my sign. Who's heard Jeff Foxworthy? You know, like the Sydney. I can always count on you. Thanks, Catherine. <laughs> like, you know, Jeff Foxworthy has this joke. You know, like there's this really obvious thing. He's like, all right, here's your sign. And he kind of hangs it around their neck. <laughs> Bill, thank you. Langville, thank you. All right. So, um, so that's my sign. When I'm overly critical and grumpy, that's my sign. That tells me there's a problem with my heart that I can't see, and I, if I don't humble myself in the presence of God, um, I'm just not going to see it. And my blindness is going to lead me to think um, it's everybody else's problem. I'm going to start noticing everybody else's faults. But usually I imagine people's faults instead of actually perceiving real faults. So, so what do I do? I know I am proud, and I know that it's sin, and I have already gone through the first and unavoidable step, unskippable step, of saying to God, I'm sorry that I debased you by measuring myself against how good a driver I am compared with that guy. And by f letting my identity be in how I would keep the house or how I would parent or how I would teach that sermon or whatever compared to that guy instead of being humble enough to let you be Lord and God and Savior and let you measure me according to your standard and let the other servant of God, rise or fall according to your judgment. So I've gone through that. You can't skip that step. But I like to be really like open and raw and, and like literal and honest about it. And when I start doing that, all of a sudden my eyes are open and I'm like, all of my thoughts are bizarre. There's this terminology in the discipline of psychiatric nursing where, uh, you know, in your charting, you kind of only use certain words. You can't say it like, the guy was a weirdo. No, um, but you can say patient exhibited bizarre thoughts or grandiose thinking. There are certain like words that you use. It's just the lingo. Um, I don't know who decided, but but you can say bizarre. And um, so, it is alarming when I start. 
identifying like, Lord, I'm sorry, I compared myself to, uh, to Kyle, and I thought, like, my beard was better than his, <laughs> because I, I guess that's probably the single stupidest thing I could ever use to, like, be inflated with pride and debrace my fellow man. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Please forgive me for, for like, harming my brother in my heart. Like, I'm obviously out of reality. And I start seeing clearly, my thinking is as bizarre as anybody I've ever spoken with in one of these unusual conversations in a psychiatric ward. So, so that's, that's normal for all of us. You just don't see it yet. So, well, that's normal for me. Maybe you're better than me. Um, so, so I've already confessed it, and I've said it out loud to a brother or sister. Now what? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. James 4.10. Take a day to fast and pray. And I would, I would suggest taking a step beyond saying, please help me to not be proud. That's good. Maybe please help me to humble myself, because God, uh, God won't humble you. Every once in a while, God in his mercy is willing to humiliate you, but he does not usually do that. Um, but he does give us opportunity to humble ourselves. God is good, and he is much more polite than, uh, than any of us could ever imagine. Um, I suggest praying like this. God, be merciful to me, a sinner! You know, like the, like the uh, tax collector standing next to the Pharisee prayed in the parable. Because it is the work of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, John 16, 8, then I am utterly dependent on God to show me my pride. If God doesn't point it out to me, I will not believe it even if someone told me. After all, nothing in the whole world lies like my heart lies. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Well, that's non-Christians, but there's no verse in Jeremiah about Christians. I'm just kidding. That's you. That's me. Like, that's about Christians. My heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's called my flesh, and all of y'all got one. Okay, so I am probably aware that I have pride, but I am probably not aware of how much my pride has affected me and my relationships. Pride will keep you walking in the dark, not in the light, separated from your church family rather than being of one mind, and far from God rather than near to God. But you're a Christian, how can that be true? Is that theologically accurate? Psalm 138.6 says, but the proud he knows from afar. Or in other words, the Lord keeps his distance from the proud, which should be a little scary, Christian. I was always aware I was a little prideful until one day a dear sister commented that 
I come across very pridefully. I was blown away. This was about four or five years ago. Like when the people heard Peter speak in Acts 2, I was cut to the quick. I humbled myself, and it's been much less since then. I think I went from like a little bit more like Nebuchadnezzar than like the tax collector level of pride uh, to just struggling with pride. So God take us there, and then God be gracious with us every time it rears its ugly head, because it will all the time. So God is standing at the door knocking. God rarely humiliates us, except sometimes to help us humble ourselves. God is standing at the door knocking. Oh, that we would let him in, that we might have fellowship with God again. If you pray, God, make me see the ways my pride has deceived me. God will answer that prayer. God will take you from comparing yourself to other people all the time, which is a form of a critical spirit or being hypercritical. Um, I've told you guys the story. I was, I was driving up James H. McGee uh, the day after going through some uh, deliverance one time uh, and just having some demons cast out of me. And I don't remember anything about that night except that it was a deliverance meeting. Um, and then the next day, I was on my way to work, driving up James H. McGee in West Dayton, and there were about four or five, six pedestrians and some other cars. And, uh, and I remember just looking around and having this kind of calm sense. And I thought, nothing's wrong with any of these people. And it was like a little surprise. It was surprising. And I realized I've never driven up this road without thinking that person's a crappy driver. That person's fat. That person walks weird. That person is dressed like it's just super weird. And like having all of these thoughts about them, and I never once saw it until after the Lord had cast a critical spirit out of me. I couldn't even, I didn't, I thought it was like by God's grace, I, you know, put down those thoughts as they rose up in me, so I wasn't always saying them, but that was my mind. And God wants to renew us in the image of our mind after our creator. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they're without understanding. God will take you from being in judgment of others to having your eyes fixed on him. He'll take us from thinking about our self-esteem, whether high or low, to saying like Jacob when he was on his way to meet Esau, I am not worthy of all of the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. So what helped me with my pride? Um, a lot of worship with friends, fasting with prayer, and a wound from a friend. So praise the Lord for that. And praise the Lord for uh, pouring out his spirit. I want to I stop there with those thoughts about uh, the two things that will keep us from participating in the coming move of God. Um, our heart and our tongue. And leave that with you. And I've asked... Uh, probably used up all your time. Um, I've asked uh, five people to just share a brief testimony, one to five minutes, one to three minutes, of uh, 
what God has been doing in you and some of your experiences Thursday night. Um, let's uh, start with Beth. Are you ready? You wanted to go last. Oh, okay. Thank you. And then after Beth, let's have Melody. I was even thinking, please let me be last, because you know, Lord, you hate, I hate giving speeches. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Bethany, can you put the mic more closer to you? Yes, I can. Um, last night, um, John Gray sent me a message saying, just tell us something the Lord's doing with you in the past week or two. And as Amber knows, there's been a lot because I have blown her up almost every other night. Um, a lot of you guys know that the past couple weeks have been really hard just because my uncle did pass. And I don't think I ever communicated how special that relationship was to me or um, how God really used him in my life. And God has just been using that to show me how much he truly loved me and has um, protected me through so much that at such a young age, he sent this man that I didn't really know, um, just a shell of a child, just to come and take me away and love on me and speak to me and show me what healthy and what a father really is. And two days before he passed on Sunday, I drove up. It was when everyone was told to like be still and wait because you know we had the, um, the church was shut down. And I decided in my heart, I'm like, I need to be there. And I didn't have much time to speak to him. And the only thing he just kept saying to me was, I love you, Miha. And that was, I just love you, my daughter. That's the only thing he said to me. Um, and through this week of just pursuing him and reading scripture, the only thing I've been getting from the Lord is how much I love you, my little daughter. And in the morning, I've just been running and crying and seeking him on the bike path. And there is a point where I was just crying because I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing. There's all this other stuff with work, school, and and family, and all I got was, I just love you, my daughter. And then I just started crying and running, and um, and I felt that Thursday night, just sitting at his feet on beside of the bleachers and just resting and sitting at his feet and soaking it in and being like, this is what it is to be a daughter of Christ. Oh, God is awesome. <laughs> um, so the past um, or the past couple weeks has been great. Um, I've been spending time just um, uh, I've done a little bit of fasting, seeking the Lord, and um, so about uh, was it two? Two, three years ago now was when I was prayed for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And I remember, um, you know, looking back, one of the things that was like prophesied about me um, was that I would have boldness. And um, if any of you know, like my background, I've had a lot of fear in my life. I was like a as a teenager, I was like super, super shy and like just really timid. And, um, I've always, uh, struggled with that fear. So boldness is like the opposite of that. And like, I knew that, you know, if God gives me boldness, that's, you know, that's totally him. And so, um, but I haven't really, I hadn't really pressed into that, um, much in the past, um, couple of years. I, I didn't really, you know, realize that, um, so it was actually, um, it was Wednesday, um, at home, like before the, the, the meeting, and, um, I was, I was kind of in this state of, like, well, Sydney said he could see fear in my eyes, but, um, I don't know, I just felt like a, like a apathy, or, like, I, I didn't know how to get beyond it. Like I wasn't sensing, um, well, and then the other thing is that if, if you're bound by fear, you can't feel love and that's huge. And so like, I wasn't, I couldn't receive the love of Sydney. I couldn't receive the love of God. And Sydney's like, okay, let's, let's, let's pray. Let's worship. And he got like super on fire and like, we're going to press through this. We're going to break through. And, um, and, uh, and so we did, we cried out to God, like top of our lungs. Uh, one point he's like, it's your turn now. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And I just like broke through and I was just crying out to God and nothing at that point exactly happened except I was just. I was just crying out to God in, you know, top of my lungs and just, and praising him. And then, um, it was time to go to the, to Wednesday's word meeting and, and, um, we went and just the whole time I was just, you know, just worshiping the Lord. And, um, I didn't realize it until like the end of the meeting. And when I went home, but I was like, I'm on fire. Like I have like this like this power like like surging through me and I would like punch down walls or something and I <laughs> Sydney was in in bed and I like woke him up and I was like laughing and 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 talking to him it was great it was wonderful and I knew that it was the power of the Holy Spirit and um he was giving me that boldness to do you know whatever God was calling me to do and um like and and yeah, it, it was wonderful. And then and the Thursday night worshiping, it was wonderful. I, I just, you know, just still felt that power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm really excited to see what God's um, going to do in our whole church in all of your lives. And um, so praise him. Okay, I'm going to try and be quick. All right, so um, so this week has been awesome. Really, really, really awesome. And uh, main point I want to communicate is the Lord, he answers our prayers, especially when we're asking for more of him. 
Um, so over the last few weeks, there's been more worship and, um, and meetings just in general. Not only do we have Wednesday's word and the Sunday meetings, but we had, um, some pretty awesome worship at the discipleship groups, um, worship. And I actually went to morning worship today, which never happens. Um, <laughs> and there was even worship at a birthday party. So like, yeah, that me being on time is a work of God. Yeah. So, um, like, I would just like to make this side note that, like, if you want more of God, um, he, that prayer is kind of already answered in opportunity, opportunities you've been overlooking, like, uh, like coming to early morning worship, like uh, spending time preparing your hearts on a Saturday, mor- a Saturday night, but not just that, all week pressing in. So you're not... Um, Late for the 9.30 service, half asleep for worship, and hungry by the time the 10.30 sermon comes. Um, <laughs> you need to address all those things because you're serious about uh, like encountering God during these meetings and any meetings that you're having. So um, we're going to talk about my story in this. So uh, prior to uh, these last weeks of worship and prayer meetings, um, I was not having the best worship in general uh, that I've had in my life. Uh, And I would say that has been the case for the last three, four years. I would say that like probably in my early 20s and maybe late teens had worship experiences, I would mark a 10, you know? And then like, and here since I've been in my, you know, later 20s, early 30s, that the dial goes between one and four, you know? And so I'm happy when we have a four, but, you know, really not expecting a lot more. Um, But uh, we had a worship meeting on Wednesday, like was primarily repentance. And I think we wanna, don't wanna overlook how important, oh my God, that was two and a half minutes already. All right, we're gonna, (laughs) okay. We don't wanna overlook. We don't want to overlook how important it is that repentance is a precursor, you know, to seeing God come into your place. Because a lot of times indwelling sin is the barrier. Uh, Lies are the barrier. And for me, uh, the Lord really communicated to me uh, a big thing on Thursday because I was just sitting there. I was like, Lord, I really have not had an emotional experience, an emotional encounter. I'm not like moved when it comes to, uh, encountering God. And I was, my prayer was like, Lord, I pray that I have an emotional experience. Like, Lord, I want, I want to be, I want the chill bumps. I want, I want the tears. I want the shakes. I want the, all of it. Um, or Lord, at least let me understand why I don't have those experiences. And so he, in his mighty power, like answered both of those in a moment. Um, The truth is, like, I was carrying a deep-seated condemnation that I had not even dealt with or considered Um, because I had, uh, I was believing some lies that a person had spoken over me, um, so much so that I felt at at the core of my being, I wasn't worthy of connecting with God. Like, I could see him at a distance, but I'm, like, too filthy for his presence because I was believing some things that a person said about me. And, like, in that same moment, 
I mourned the intimacy lost from believing that lie. And that drove me to tears. And if you know me, I like never, never, ever cry. And um, that was like the first that I can remember time that I've ever cried in worship at GCF ever. And I know that it starts with uh, more intentional about prayer and fasting, repentance, and just asking God, what is wrong? I want to connect. And uh, he answered that in a mighty way. Um, and I would encourage you to uh, seek the Lord because he wants to be closer to you more than you want to be close to him. And um, so, uh, yeah, uh, he, he'll answer your prayers for himself. All right. Thank you. So there's a lot that I could say, um, but for the sake of time, I just want to uh, focus on one thing that the Lord really dealt with me uh, this week on. And um, uh, I've been struggling a lot, um, especially when I was fasting, with just uh, being very distracted um, during prayer. And, uh, you know, it was like... It, Fasting wasn't really that hard for me until I started to pray, and then all I could think about was food, or or how how or my headache, or you know my hunger pains, whatever. And so um, I was sort of wrestling with that, and um, uh, the Lord like really convicted me of um, my my lack of um, lack of zeal, lack of like how badly really do I want this. And um, kind of at the heart of that, for me, was self-pity. And because as soon as um, something was uncomfortable, something, um, you know, there's something I was struggling with it, if I turned it into self-pity, that made me the victim. And that made it not my fault. And that made it so that everyone else had to feel sorry for me instead of condemning me. And, and that was just my, my route of escape. And it was, uh, God showed me like how incredibly deep seated it was for me and how much it was cutting me off from, from joy in the Lord. And so, um, Thursday night, um, I just really like cried out to the Lord from the depths of my soul. And I was like, I want this, um, so badly and I'm just going to cry out and, um, after, after a while, um, Greg came over and started praying some things over me, and uh, that was really powerful. And then Daniel took me aside, and he said, I want um, me and Amber to pray some deliverance for you. And I was like, okay. And uh, it was very clear already that, that this was like a very like spiritual warfare meeting. Like, and I could sense the, the, um, the warfare in my being of like, uh, spirits becoming very uncomfortable and, um, you know, I was having some, some physical things going on because of that. And so by the time Daniel and Amber prayed over me, it was like, you know, they're ready. And, uh, one of the, the biggest things that, that I got deliverance for when they prayed for me was self-pity. And, um, it was just really amazing. And, uh, you know, God just totally set me free from that. And, um, even like, like last night, I, I was just thinking, wow, like I just had an experience that that I normally 
would be like a huge struggle for me with self-pity. And I wasn't even thinking about that. And, and I was just like, wow, like, you know, God doesn't have to do that every time with things. But this was like such a big thing for me. And um, I'm just so thankful. Um, and I just want to encourage everyone, like, you know, you're going to hit obstacles. Um, you're going to have to press through these things if you want the blessings on the other side. And it come, all it comes down to is just how desperate are you? Are you willing to cry out from the depths of your soul um, how much you need God? And so praise God. He's so good to us. Okay. Um, so I was actually going to make it really brief, but now that I have permission. <laughs> um, so I think I have a somewhat similar experience uh, with the interaction with GCF in particular that Teresa has um, with like a lot of really powerful worship early on in my Christian life. And, uh, you know, I've had experiences here that were really powerful. Um, but not as many and not as, I think there was never as much of an expectation. Um, and that kind of, I saw a reason for that. Um, about a week ago, I was fasting more intentionally than I had in years. You know, I, always was, you know, like the leadership team would be fasting, you know, once a week on Wednesdays or something for a few months now. And uh, those were, you know, I would get through the fast. <laughs> you know, I would fast successfully because I didn't eat anything that day, but it, they were never really that successful um, because I wasn't intentional about them. Um, so it's like, really, what is a successful fast? What determines a successful fast? So I was, I was set out, inspired by all these testimonies and stuff about a week ago on Wednesday and fasted intentionally. And I was like, Lord, show me some things. You know, I really set a lot of time aside. I, uh, you know, got up early so I had time before work to pray and seek the Lord. And in, in solitude and stuff, the the first thing he showed me was an area in my life that I had totally not seen the pride in my heart. Um, you know, there was a, a bit of skepticism that I had, a bit of, of pride, like, uh, you know, I'd seen, I'd had these great worship meetings before here, and I kind of was skeptical that I would experience it here. Um, and part of that was like saying like, like I was thinking it had to be in the ways that it always had been or something, you know, I was trying to put God in a box. And, uh, so he showed me that and, uh, I really reflected on that for a week. And then I was fasting again this last week. Um, and that Wednesday night, it was a, like Teresa said, it was a night of repentance and uh, like I was, had an opportunity to repent in front of everyone that was there and 
and things like that. And it was really powerful. And uh, like Thursday night, it was, I had done, that was the second day of my fast. And me and Christiana went and uh, God just like really showed me the other end of my skepticism, the the other end of my pride, what what he can do through my humility that night. And uh it was so cool. And I would I would I would say that Thursday night was a ten in my book. Um and it was, it was funny because even I had like a lot of expectations for Thursday night and uh not all of them were met before the meeting started, and I was like, who cares? <laughs> I'm still expecting God to move because he promised that he would bless the people that, that humble themselves. And so I kind of got past those expectations and entered into worship with... And I was because I kind of got past that skepticism and that pride... I was able to enter into this worship in a way that, you know, for the past few years, I feel like every time I had good worship, it was just me and God. Um, but this good worship was like me, God, and my family. And like spiritual anointing and momentum is like way bigger. Like you'll be able to experience God way better when you're entering into worship with your brothers and sisters than if you're entering him by yourself. And for years I put that box on myself where I was, I was entering into the presence of God by myself. Um, so I'm super thankful for all the people who were fasting because they were preparing their hearts to enter into worship with me. And because of that, I got to experience God in a way that I I never have. So, yeah. So, I've always been a person who has struggled with a lot of pride and performance and, you know, just really being devoid of the spirit throughout my whole Christian walk. Um, so early on in my Christian walk, I started trying to enter into the discipline of fasting. Well, I knew that I wasn't getting any results from it because I was fasting for reasons that weren't the Lord's reasons. I was fasting because I thought that it would build some kind of merit with the Lord and that this would be something that would cause me to have a breakthrough. So I remember when Josiah was living at the house with me, he had stopped fasting on Saturdays. And I said, why'd you stop fasting? And he said, well, I realized that I was doing it for all the wrong reasons and there's no point of fasting if you're not going to do it for what the Lord would will for you. So in this last season of fasting, I realized and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, let me fast for you and for your reasons so that, you know, I can receive the promises that you've declared in your word that I would. So I've been crying out really hard to have a spiritual breakthrough 
to have a sense of his Holy Spirit and his power. And he's really been answering that. And has been through a lot of struggles and a lot of sufferings and a lot of patient waiting, even though I was like burning inside with, you know, what the hell is going on? Why am I not breaking through? Why does everything seem to be crumbling around me? And uh, it really took a somewhat letting go of my pride to have these breakthroughs. I've never really had, like, I've walked in the spirit a little bit. And from time to time, felt like a dripping of his spirit. I'm like, oh, this is nice. But in reality, I've never had that prostrate yourself, fall on the floor, crying in the presence of the Lord. And with this season of fasting, with this corporate anointing, as Daniel put it, and with all the faithful people in this church praying and fasting, it's really, truly helped my walk. Um, and when I say that, I mean that I've had a more powerful sense of His Holy Spirit. I've had much more powerful encounter with Him through His Word. Um, I don't know if this has happened. You can ask my wife. But I think my behavior has been a little bit better. Um, so, uh, but uh, with that, I had low expectations of God. I had condemnation. I had, well, God doesn't, God's going to be a father like I've had fathers. And I've had some doozies. So I just kept holding him to that and not expecting anything good and wonderful from my heavenly father. So Wednesday of last week, I had the most powerful encounter with the Lord that I've ever had and feeling his presence through worship. And I was like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. What a breakthrough. I'm going to be walking in the spirit, you know, and doing my thing. And I was just like super fleshly right after that. Like it was like, boom. And I was fleshly again, you know, it was just because I think I was filling myself up more with, you know, not God, but my own pride. And then Greg said something and a couple of the people really confirmed that at the last Thursday meeting that expect it. God's going to, going to, going to do it. He's going to make a powerful breakthrough. He's going to, um, he said, if you think that worship was powerful, I said, you've seen nothing yet. He said, know it and expect it. This time it's going to be something different. It's going to be crazy. And we're going to need it all the time from everybody. And like last time I was crying on Wednesday and you know, I was just kind of shaking in myself. But this time I was like flat on my face on the floor. Everybody was crying. Everybody was praying for me. We were praying for everybody else. People were being healed. People were being delivered. Uh, I was just, I sensed from the Lord, like when I was, because when I first came to the Thursday meeting, I was just kind of like, man, this isn't like Wednesday's meeting. And, you know, people just said it was going to be much better. I was like, what's going on? So it was kind of a step out in faith thing, if you know what I mean. I was just like, you know what? It is going to be better. And then I was worshiping, and then I just pictured in my mind Christ reaching out to this little boy who is me. And uh, I'd never had an experience like that from a father. So... It was just new. It was kind of a shock and awe thing to me. 
and he reached out to me and he just kissed my forehead like a loving, loving father that I've never really known like that before. And I just broke down because I realized this is how Christ loves me and he loves me through and through more than anything or anybody I could ever know or imagine. And it was just wonderful to feel that. And then once I felt that, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is what the Lord's love is. And when he did that, it just broke me down. I was just done. I was on the floor. I was worshiping. I just took my shoes off. I was like, I'm going to be here for a while. I might as well just get comfortable, you know. And I just, I just kept crying out to him. I said, I want this all the time. I said, I don't want to ever have a moment that I don't have this. So that was just the greatest feeling I've ever had in my entire life. It was amazing. You know, like when you see your child born, when you marry your wife, um, when it's your child's first birthday, or when you get to celebrate and have a happy moment with your son, you know, it's, this was just greater than all of those things, you know? Um, and I'm not trying to put those things down, but it's, it's by a long shot. And it was just an amazing experience. So with this season of corporate fasting and everything going on and everybody doing what they have been doing and being faithful in the Lord, the Lord, you know, causing us to be faithful. Um, I just appreciate it. And I love all of your guys' help and support. And I love you guys. And it's just, I appreciate it because now I'm entering into something that I've never experienced, even though I've been a, you know, a Christian for five or six years now. But this is a change for me. This is just a new life. This is a new dynamic that I've never experienced. And it's amazing. And I would just encourage you guys to cry out to the Lord more and to fall on your face and to be devoid of pride and say, Lord, I'm so messed up. I've got all these problems. The only one who can even come close to fixing it is you. So, you know, please bring your presence to me. And he will. He is faithful. So. John Gray asked me last night if I'd share anything, and I was like, no, ask other people, but um, <laughs> decided I should. Um, Thursday night was really awesome, and it was kind of funny because I came expecting it to be a different prayer meeting. I thought we were just praying with a small group of people for a couple individuals, and then I'm there, and I'm like, really confused. Like, what's going on? Why is there so many people here? And then it was just a sense that God was really going to come, and he was really going to do something. Um, which did happen, and um, I just, I did want to clarify, because John Gray pointed out earlier that Greg instructed um, everybody who was there not <laughs> to prophesy, and then I did, um, <laughs> but that was very clear from God for so many people, and it was that if you don't say this, it's going to change the worship. If you do say this, it's going to change the worship. Um, because people really needed to hear that, and I still think people need to hear that today, is to wrestle with God 
to seek him in worship, especially. Um, yeah, it was really clear. And the other thing that was really cool was um, throughout the past couple weeks and Thursday night, everybody keeps saying it's going to rain. And not just a sprinkle, but it's going to like downpour spiritually. And I still see that coming. So Thursday night was a sprinkle and more is coming. So if you weren't there, get ready. <laughs> By the way, thanks to Stephen. As of last night, I got back to full strength. Praise God. I, I was actually able to work 16 hours without taking a break. Thanks. Thanks. I was eating because my wife, I didn't have to take a break because my wife brought me the food <laughs> that Stephen had prepared. Of course, um, I did set a new record for the amount of bacon I consumed. <laughs> Bradbury, would, you would have been a happy man. <laughs> um, so I, I also know how the enemy can uh, take some occasion in these. And, you know, we kind of... Uh, started out with kind of a book of Joel thing. And frankly, it happened a little bit accidentally. Um, you know, I, I sort of had to fast for a day for medical reasons. And, and then I just said, eh, I'll fast for a few days. And then despite the fact that I had sort of promised my doctor 10 years ago that I would never do any longer fast again, I started thinking, you know, if I'm really careful, we could do this. <laughs> and <laughs> so I'm going to talk to my doctor this week. But um, <laughs> and, and say, sorry, it's too late. Um, so uh, I do want to couple, say a couple quick things. I don't want to take away from what we're going to do in a minute. So as soon as I'm done talking, uh, Tiffany's going to just go right into the announcements. If you really have to go to the bathroom or whatever. Uh, try to do it as slip in and out so we lose as less on the worship as we can. Uh, I just want to be uh, to, to not be remiss on two points. Um, number one, a, th a lot of thank yous will be said today, but I, w this couldn't have all happened. It, it's kind of like when, uh, you know, I, I have some experience coaching some very good championship teams that didn't even lose a game for like three years. And you can't get anywhere if you don't have a bunch of sub-coaches that buy in and a bunch of kids that buy in and so forth. And everybody believes in what the Lord's going to do. And everybody does it. And so, you know, there was, uh, you know, one uh, person in particular that, uh, you know, fasted with me the first seven days or so. And then, you know, a few people that did two or three days in the middle. And I kind of remind, was reminded of a, a, a friend I've known that does these things called mega marathons, which are like way crazier than fasting for 40 days. <laughs> like it's, they're, they're insane. But, uh, but, you know, he always told me how, 
you know, like his son would run five miles with him and then his wife would run five of the miles and his daughter would run five of the miles because they all did like running as a family. So now you know they're very crazy. But, uh, but, uh, but you know, uh, so th thank you to everybody who did that. You know, like Stephen drove all night so we could drive to Maryland, you know, after we, you know, you, you don't drive to Maryland uh, after you've been fasting for eight days do, do deliverance all day for three days then I actually drove all the way back and, uh, at night and uh, I couldn't have done that unless on best like I, it wasn't like I had to twist his arm and said I was thinking of asking Deanna to go and non said, said well go let's go <laughs> you know so I said okay <laughs> so you know if everybody hadn't helped so much with so many things this wouldn't have happened because uh that was kind of an emphasis for me is, uh, you know, John Weiss gave a message years ago that I thought was very prophetic be, as he was going through the book of Acts and he got to Acts 6 through 9. It was really when, when, the, when the church moved from a, from a Jerusalem thing to a world thing was when the second tier, tier, tier of leaders really started to, to move with power, authority, and conviction, and when it wasn't just the original apostles anymore. Did, did everybody hear that? That's very important. Because there were so many people that I, re, I remember, you know, praying over Daniel Williams, and then watching Daniel Williams pray over one person after another person after another person, like he's been doing this kind of thing for 17 years. And, uh, and so that, that was cool. So I want to just thank everyone that helped. And then secondly, in terms of, you know, we started with just asking the leadership team. And we, we really, uh, some of these things happened on the Wednesday night uh, meeting. And so anybody was, was there wanted to be there because they, all we did like this past Wednesday night was not have Stephen teach so we could w worship more and pray more. But... Um, in some of these things, we asked a little person, a few people here, a few people there. There was one or two people we really wanted to see come that didn't come that we are hoping will still get swept up in these things. But th my intention was to kind of like think in between the, the continuum of who really needs this and who's really ready for this to also take into consideration who will best be the kind of dominoes that'll knock down other dominoes when they fall? And uh, so there was a lot of that thinking because, you know, God is calling our church to a whole season of humbling ourselves, repenting, getting relationships right, uh, asking forgiveness of God, others, um, getting our expectations together, uh, and, and, and this, this is going to change everybody if we let it. And, uh, you, know, when, you know, when God comes by, uh, no one need to ever be the same. And so this, this really didn't start, you know, like, this is probably a little gross, but I had to get a test called a colostomy, and I had to fast for a couple of days, and I just said, our church is really dry and we nearly need a revival. And I have to fast for a couple of days to start with anyway. Well, let's just keep going and see what the Lord will do. And so it was really not 
exactly great administration, except God's the great administrator. So uh, please don't, uh, you know, uh, embrace any kind of spirit or, you know, thing that, well, I didn't get invited because first of all, you know, our intention is to get everyone in, on the right page with God, with one another, to get all that God wants to do. And it really is just starting to rain, as Amber just said. It's kind of a hard sprinkle, but this is going to be a lot bigger rain than many of you who came in three or four years ago when we had a little rain. Believe me, I've had the privilege to be a part of three moves of God that were much bigger, much longer, and swept many more people into the kingdom. And this, because of certain factors, we this is going to be bigger than all of that. And um, um, so, you know, let's let's just all humble ourselves, seek God, and let's get Tiffany up here. But let let's just know this is just going to be the start.